Welcome to the Ask Brian Podcast Radio Show, where you'll hear from some of the most successful founders and CEOs of businesses and startups, sharing their best advice for success, and even some stories on how their mistakes actually make them even more successful. Now, here are your hosts, Brian and Tracy. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You're listening to KHS 1220 and 98.1 FM. And that Rocky just keeps going on and on and on. Woo! All right. Now, if Rocky doesn't get you pumped up, I will. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Somebody's had their Red Bull today. I wish I did. So each week we have the Ask Brian Radio Show, and we discuss each week we discuss something about business. We either have a business entrepreneur on, somebody who's starting a company, or somebody that's been around a business a lot, or somebody that can teach us something about business. But everyone always asks us, why is Brian spelled with an E, B-R-I-E-N, because, you know... Although you might think I'm Irish, my name isn't O'Brien, and I don't have a pub down the street. But, (laughs) anyway, and I'm not making fun of anyone just because I laughed. I just thought it was funny. The reality is, (laughs) Brian is spelled with an E, not I-A-N, not Y-A-N. I know when I went to school, that's how they did it. But also when I went to school, people used to work hard. They don't do anymore. Ooh, Attack on the Millennials. All right. <laughs> that could be a movie, Attack on the wow. Millennials. <laughs> All right. So our engineer that begins with an E, Matt, is going to try to explain to our audience why Brian is spelled with an E. So give us one reason. Give us one reason. Sure. Well, I mean, first of all, Peter, I am a millennial, so I kind of took that personally. But all right. I'm willing to overlook it. I mean, I wasn't going to mention it, but I did think it was a little personal. Yeah, just a little bit. Uh, well, there are many reasons why we spell Ask Brian with an E. The first and foremost, E is for education because we try to educate our listeners each week about businesses. Well, And the other thing I want to point out is he's a New Yorker. And he's tough, and he can handle it, and he doesn't have a thin skin. Uh-huh, that's right, I'm walking here. Are you saying Southerners have thin skin? Now I'm taking this part. <laughs> do you want me to talk like an Alabaman? Because I can talk like an Alabaman. No, I do not want you to do that, because real <laughs> Southern accents are far better than faux <laughs> Southern accents. Well, uh, carrying right along, uh, E is also for <laughs> experts, because our guests are experts in their field. As well as our co-host. That's right. Tracy's an expert. So we have a lot of experts. That's right. Now, how do you become an expert? What does that mean? Well, it's a time thing. It's a long and arduous trial to become an expert in your field, Peter. Uh, Big word, artist. Thank you. I uh, brushed up on my SAT vocabulary this week, (laughs) just for your show. Uh, It takes about 10,000 hours to become an expert in your field. You need to be doing that thing for 10,000 hours. If you break it down over a year, 52 weeks, we'll cut it down to 50, give you two weeks for a little rest and relaxation. So five years times 2,000 hours per week is 10,000. It's not 2,000 per week, but okay. Sorry, 2,000 per year. (laughs) 2,000 per year gives you 10,000. It takes about five years, in other words. But we've agreed on this. No entrepreneur is only working 40 hours in a week. They're working probably double that, if not triple. Well, 40 is like on a side side business, side hustle, right? Yeah. That'd be 40 hours because you cannot build a business, okay, by working 40 hours a week. Right. I mean, we don't want to scare anybody, but that is quite factual. <laughs> <laughs> he is also for experience because experience counts. And how, how, what does that mean? I don't know. You wrote it. <laughs> 
Well, if you've been doing something for 10, you may be an expert, but if you've been doing something for 10 or 20 or 30 years, okay, you've probably had that issue come up. And the reality is, you know, part of success is multiple of failures, right? So you can learn a lesson part of the education process. How about this? I'll give you an E. I'll give you an example here of experience and why it counts. I sit here at the board. I push all the buttons. I bring in the callers. You push a lot of buttons. I do. You push I do. my buttons sometimes. I'm a button pusher. That's right. My mom you push Tracy's button. <laughs> all right. Even the guests. Go ahead. If I, were to sit, if, if I were to just sit here and watch someone else do it for 10,000 hours, yeah, I might be an expert in being able to explain it, but it doesn't mean I know how to actually do it. That's why experience counts. Getting in here and sitting in the chair and doing it. And that likens to anything. And I like world. that. So you're able to analyze. I don't know. Peter pushes my buttons all the time, and I don't. <laughs> but I strive. I strive to do that. <laughs> That's my goal. <laughs> e is also for enthusiasm. And Nicole, I hope you have your uh, phone off your head because it, being enthusiastic that leads to excellent excitement. <laughs> Yeah, I tried to warn you there, Nicole. Uh, She's already you. deaf now. Right, Go ahead. Right. Uh, well, E is for excitement, as Peter put it so eloquently there. E is also for empathy, because being in someone else's shoes helps you to understand your audience, customers, and the products and services. And you empathize by telling her to lower her microphone so that she wouldn't be blasted. So that was a good empathetic approach. Oh, thank you, Peter. I appreciate yeah. that. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. I think the most important, though, E is for entrepreneur, because most, uh, really all of our listeners and our, our guests are business owners and entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs which is basically starting a business mostly correct any other ease well we have one for engineer but you covered that that's me but uh, we have tracy's favorite oh uh, my favorite e i know it's been a while but you can't forget about it because it is electrifying but he didn't say grease lightning well, well he didn't, but typically, I just typically I, I, you I cue up. <laughs> well, she ran right into it, so I was like, right. she didn't give me an opportunity. Well, it was great, and here's what I I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to overstep here, and I'm going to bid you adieu, and that's your favorite word. Why is it your favorite word, Peter? Because of all the letters, how many consonants are there? Just one. That's correct. The rest are vowels, <laughs> and we like vowels, <laughs> just like we like our vegetables. That's right. Part of a nutritious meal. <laughs> all right, so. Thank you very much, Matt. Thank you. Appreciate it. Always glad to have you on board. Now, if our guest hasn't said, what am I doing here? I'm calling Heather right away. I'm out of here. Goodbye. You know, I, I have to question this because I want to dial back because I'm a California transplant who lives in New Jersey, goes to New York all the time, and married a guy who emigrated from Ireland. So you hit a lot of things in the very beginning, which was quite Oh, awesome. my gosh. Well, just to let you know. Well, welcome to the show. <laughs> just to let you know, Matt. And I grew up in New York on Long Island, okay, and we're transplants to California. So we did the opposite. We did the opposite, indeed. Indeed. And we're both a little nutty, so. Well, yeah, but that comes with the territory. I mean, we went to law school. you got to be nutty to do that. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <sighs> there must be something wrong with us, but there isn't. Exactly. So anyway, you currently have a company, and what is the name of that company, Nicole? Ivy Alexander. And why is the name Ivy Alexander? What does that stand for? Well, being Nicole Alexander, we kind of figure out that portion. But <laughs> Ivy is named, it's not, doesn't take a rocket scientist, but the first name is after my grandmother who was named Ivy. And so I kind of wanted to honor her legacy and the legacy of other family members by starting this company. Wow, because if I thought about that, I was thinking totally different. Ivy 
like the Ivy League and the Harvard and everything, and since you're on the luxury side, then you're high-end. So that's where I thought the Ivy came from, so I was totally off-base. And Alexander... I might need to use that. That is good. <laughs> I mean, I can add that to the story. <laughs> I think I think <laughs> it's a good one. <laughs> we're just here Perfect. to help. That's a, we're just here to help. <laughs> Come and work with me. Let's get this done. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, so this company, what do they do? I know it has something to do with... Uh, bag hooks and you know uh, unfortunately i'm a guy and i don't have the purse whatever so you gotta explain that to half the population here <laughs> i'm happy to explain it first of all this is our first product but we hope to aim to make other products next year and kind of expand the brand that being said we started out with bag hooks or purse hooks or whatever you want to call it which is really the thing that you put on the side of a table so your bag it could be a backpack it could be a satchel it could be a purse remains off the floor now, I decided to create this during the pandemic because I had been using different versions of it that were not very durable. And I kind of thought to myself, what if I made a better version that was a bit more elegant, a bit more luxe, capable of holding really heavy bags? Because really, no one wants to put their purse or bag on the floor. It's totally disgusting. It's gross. And I think now we're kind of a little germ-phobic, so it just seemed like the right time. So... Is it that the hook can handle more strength? Is that it? It's that too, yeah. I mean, it's, it's part of physics. Like, the heavier the bag, the more weight that's going to be put on the disc that ad- adheres to the table. So that part is just physics, and because it's a stronger metal than your average one, um, and the, the inner mechanics of it are just a bit more sophisticated, they are just much more durable, and they're also very, very nice looking. They're pretty. They're something you want to, you, you put in a little pouch, you have it in your bag, you bring it out. They're great stocking stuffers. You can use it for, you could actually use it for Christmas stockings. So there's multiple uses. My husband has put beer on it before. So not like pouring beer, but like putting a six pack on there to see if it could withstand it. And then it well worked out. So is this like a, a metallic hook, what magnetic that you actually can stick to metal? I mean, how, how does that work? There is magnets inside of the disc that will hold it together, but it's not magnetized. It's, it's just all a matter of physics. So it just depends on the flat surface that you're using. So if you use wood, it's not magnetic, right? There's no metal there. So, right. But it would still work on a wood, wood desk, correct? Yeah, the magnets are really just to keep the hinges together. And so give me one or two competitors of yours. Honestly, I think there are a slew of them that are on Amazon, but they're selling them for like $10, $12, and they're made in warehouses, and they're just, they don't have any identifiable brand. This is the first identifiable brand to this product. And when did you start the company? A little over a year ago. And how can people purchase the product? Well, we're starting to sell in boutiques around the country, primarily now New Jersey, in addition to going straight to the website, uh, ivy-alexander.com. They are great gifts for Valentine's Day, Mother's Day, Easter, throw them all out there. It's, it's a great gift idea, and it, they're nice and portable and strong and sleek. And how did you get into this business? I mean, I know you started it a year ago, but how did you decide, you know, da 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 da, da. okay, you know, I'm going to do this. Give me some of your story. Yeah, I, um, unfortunately... I lost a number of family members, my grandmother included, in a short period of time. And I was traveling back and forth to California to take care of my mom. And after she passed, I was doing an estate sale, and I found a box that my dad had. And on the outside of the box, it said, Nick's Box of Broken Dreams. And inside the box, there were architectural drawings that 
had never been built. There are buildings that have never been built, books that hadn't been published, things that were patented in but had not been made. And I was like, it, it kind of like, I don't want to be a total downer on the call, but it was very, it hit me in the gut and it made me believe that I didn't want to do that. I, I didn't want to have a box of broken dreams that I wanted to pursue an idea, and, and if I had that idea, to, to take it forward. And so because every time I used one of these different versions out and about, and people were coming up to me asking me about it because they didn't know about it, the light bulb went out in me, and I said, you know what? What if we made a better version, and what if we marketed it so that people actually knew it, that they existed? Because you're not alone, Brian, not knowing that they are around. But, like, not a lot of people know the existence of these. So if you, you, you market it better, you communicate to the public, People will know that you can buy a quality product. You know, and not only that, you limit your risk of theft, too, because a lot of times you go to these restaurants and people put their bags on their chair, and it happened to me, I had a wallet stolen. Like, and I'm sitting right there because people can just put their hands in the bag and take it away or just take the bag away on their own. So it's not only, like, anti-germ, it's anti-theft. Now, prior to that, though, prior to coming to California, my understanding is you were an attorney. How long did you do that for? I practiced for about nine, ten years, litigating, trying cases. And then I switched roles at my firm to handle more administration, which I liked very much because it was a bit more creative. I did like practicing law, but, you know, it can be so adversarial that sometimes it can, like, suck the, the life out of you. So I, uh, I just kind of changed paths. And then, so you went... Directly from law, directly to the dream box, to creating this, this item, or, or was it something in between? Well, I'm still working in a managerial capacity at my current law firm. So, um, but the thing is happening, and I'm noticing as a lot of people that are starting businesses, at some point something's going to give, and I'm noticing that I want to spend more time on Ivy Alexander and you know, really get it to make more products and get the word out there. So it, it, it's been a juggle, juggling challenge, um, but very interesting, and I'm learning so much. Now, you have this concept, and, you know, everybody has a concept just like your relative who had that dream box, right? But right. making the dream box and making reality is a big difference, right? So I'm trying to explain to the listeners, and maybe you can help them out. I mean, obviously, even though you have this concept in your head, making it reality took a lot. So first of all, I imagine that you had to find somebody to manufacture it for you, or you had to use a find a company out there that would allow you to put your brand on. Is that how it worked? You know, it was very, very synergistic, and, and, and that's why I thought, like, immediately everything was going to take off because it happened fairly easily, and it's all through connections, and I cannot tell people enough how important it is to foster the connections that you make and make the connections in the beginning. I, a friend of mine, her husband worked for a manufacturing facility. I met with members of that facility who had created similar type of buckles and other things for other luxury brands. So they were well-equipped to take this on and make, you know, have their engineers make a better version. And then the wife of another colleague of mine handled the branding and the website. We worked on the e-commerce. You know, the photographers, I came through connections. So every single level of personal connection I had made in my history really, really helped develop and enabled me to start the company and get it off the ground. Because... As lawyers, we learn how to think differently, but we don't know how to start a business from the ground up. So it has completely been a learning experience, but I love it. It's been so fun, and you know, even if you screw up or not understanding something, you just get back up, and you find a better way and a better solution, and before you know it, you have a company. So 
you started about a year ago. How long did it take you before you were able to get the product to, to market? The market happened about a little over a year ago. I started the process in January of 2021, and we went to market at the end of October of that year. Well, that's a very, very lightning fast 10 months to be able to go from the concept into that. Now, so you have a company that's making the product for you and you're slapping the name on it? Is that it? Like a... Well, yeah, we're putting the branding on it, yes. And to sell it, you're using e-commerce? E-commerce. We've started selling boutiques too as well. And the last month, we've been really hustling at local markets, holiday markets, that really target the type of audience that, you know, would desire to have one of these things to keep their beloved items safe. And it's been interesting because, God, before going to college, I remember working in retail, and now I'm working in retail again, and it, it's really wild. Well, and brick and mortar has taken quite a, quite a difference in the last 25 years, so that's really big. Now, for pricing, how did you determine how to figure out what good price would be for that product? We had to ask around. You know, I asked my friends and colleagues what they'd be willing to spend and we took a look also, obviously, at the price points of what it took to manufacture. In addition to which, we have a lot of packaging involved because we want it to be a luxurious experience. So you get a box, you open it up, there's crinkle paper, there's a beautiful bag that's luxurious with ribbons and, and, the, and the branding on it, and then there's writings about the company, and there's more tissue, and there's stickers, it's the whole thing. So that, you know, people not only get this purse up, but they have the opportunity to experience it the opportunity of, work, of opening something and valuing it. So putting those price points together helped us to try to come to a conclusion and also taking a survey of our friends and family, what would be a reasonable cost such that we would, we would make some type of profit? And I think that's the part that people don't understand. It's not just the cost of production. It's the cost of marketing. It's the cost of the packaging. It's the cost of social media advice. I mean, there's so many levels that weigh into getting that off the ground. And, you know, people are willing to pay a little bit more for something that's nice and that something will last. And forgive me if I'm wrong, but I call it like the Tiffany experience, right? People get that little blue box. They, it it kind of means something. So that's the way. Yes, 100%. I, that's what I call it. Tracy, what are you going to pivot on? Oh, I'm going to pivot on something really purposeful this time. And I'm very excited to ask you about this because... Your website is gorgeous, by the way. Your branding is beautiful. It's so on point with a luxury brand. And I know that, you know, image is everything. And one of the things that I noticed when I was looking at your site before the show was that your tagline is luxury with a purpose. And that is so beautiful. And as I understand it, it's tied into the Ivy Alexander Foundation. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Absolutely. So, I, I've spent many years volunteering for a number of causes and sitting on a number of boards, and I still do that because it's very near and dear to my heart. But the thought of having something that we could, as a company, contribute to was like a dream come true. And so we formed the foundation, the Ivy Alexander Foundation, to which proceeds from the sales go to. And then that foundation supports organizations that foster equity for women and girls. And even though we're a young company, we've been able to make contributions to various causes and get the word out there because in my life, I've been given so many wonderful opportunities by working with organizations like this. And it's not just a donation of money. It's, it's also organizations that foster the professional development of women and girls. And it's really crucial. It's really critical. And, and not everybody has that opportunity. So to be in a position to have this 
It just gives you warm fuzzies, particularly around the holidays, but this is a year-round mission, so to speak. And out of curiosity, from a marketing perspective, when, so let's say if I was to purchase one of the products for a holiday gift, would the person who was the recipient of the gift, would they have an indication that it was also supporting the foundation? Do you tie that into your marketing? It is in our marketing, but they wouldn't get an email notification that this is what's going on. I think on a grand scale, we would probably emulate some of the other great companies that have foundations that are then, you know, giving back, and not only giving back by virtue of giving to organizations, and I'm referring to Tori Birch because I think her model is absolutely outstanding, but providing education themselves as the foundations, whether it's blogs, whether it's podcasts, that's a bigger, grander scale. So people do know because we do note it, and we also have cards indicating in each purchase that proceeds go to the Ivy Alexander Foundation. But I think in the next year or so, as we've been really been able to propel ourselves this year so far has been a great year. I say this year has been a great year. I'm talking about November and December. <laughs> it's been really great so far as far as the selling year. I think we're going to be really jettisoned to, to get the word out there even more. Well, and every brand has a great story, and you've done a beautiful job of telling the story of your muse. I'd love if you could share a little bit more about your grandmother and how she was an influencer for you, because from what I can tell, it sounds like she just was a fabulous woman. She really was. I'm like all of a sudden getting like teary-eyed talking about it, but she was beautiful inside and out, crazy intelligent, deep British accent. She emigrated from England over here. She had children, and she worked. Now, back in the day, that was completely frowned upon on every level. And I know how difficult it is for my friends now who are trying to juggle both being a mom and working. And I can't even imagine how much more difficult it was back then. But she did it. And she was absolutely elegant and, most importantly, kind. So that kind of fits back into the whole idea of the foundation. She also made a mean cup of tea and wore a bright pink lipstick, which I like to do myself, until she passed away, she just had this wonderful spirit. So it just was really important to me to honor her and, frankly, to honor my mom as well, who was really a force of nature and I think gave me the inspiration to start the products. And then you were talking about the work-life balance and the, you know, all the responsibilities that women can and do have to carry. Share with us some of the ways that you manage work-life balance because from what it sounds like, you're still working at the law firm, you're You've launched this business, you're married. What are some of the things that you do to, as an entrepreneur and a woman in the workforce to balance all of the things that you have going on? I think you need to surround yourself with very organized people. Candidly, sometimes my desk looks like the Bermuda Triangle, like it's just, it's scary and things get lost. So I've learned to know the areas in which I am not an expert and to surround myself with people who are experts in that regard. I've also thought about breathing. That sounds silly, but we get so flustered, particularly this time of year. We're running from an event. We're doing this. We're trying to shop for people. We're trying to make sure everybody's happy, and we're not thinking about ourselves. So I think a little self-care is truly important, and, and in that function, taking your time to breathe, live in the moment, ask yourself, am I getting joy out of this season, or I'm just going through the moments to get through it? And that helps. But I, from a time perspective, this time of year, I'm not getting a lot of sleep, and that's fine. I'm, I'm happy that I'm busy. I think you have to, I make a lot of lists as well, just to keep my, even if my desk isn't organized, my head will be, and I will know what's going on. 
and be patient. And again, I think surrounding yourself with really wonderful people is the ultimate thing to do for yourself and for your business. But you also have to take care of those people and make sure they know they're such a valued resource to you. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's incredibly important. So in talking through your growth strategy, what are some of the things that you're doing to have the brand stand out and are you using social media? Are you using digital marketing? I mean, bringing a new product to market, it has to get a brand awareness. What are some of the things that you're doing to make Ivy Alexander stand out in the marketplace? That is a great question. And I think right now, I, everybody knows that social media is king. We do have a blog associated with the website that people can check from time to time. And it, sometimes it's goofy and sometimes it's sentimental and Lord knows. But we are on Instagram every day. We're advertising at the markets where we have been selling. We are repurposing content. We are on Facebook as well. You know, I'm putting stuff on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm encouraging my friends to do so. And we have this actually little uh, strategy where we're encouraging people who buy the purse hooks to take pictures, post it on our Instagram, where they are. So we've been all over the world based upon the pictures that have been from Italy to Mexico throughout the United States for people using their first hooks because they're proud to be using them and we, we see the people that are using them and they're proud to be marking the product that they purchased from us and I think that says a lot. So I would kind of continue in that conversation around the growth aspect of the business. Tell us about some of the new products that you have either in vision phase or in production phase. Well, we're in production with creating another longer hook that will fit on areas like bars or when you go wine tasting in Napa or areas that the hooks might not necessarily fit because the, the lip of the table or the bar is too wide. So that's the first one. And we will be the first purse hook out there to do that, which will be very interesting to do. Now, the other thing is completely, and I'm going to use your word, pivot, and add another accessory to the brand, which I'm excited about because I'd like to create cufflinks for women and men. Oh, wow. Yeah, fashion is coming back. And it's coming back hard because people, are, they, they love their yoga pants, don't get me wrong, and sweatpants. But at some point, they want to get out and get dressed and feel, you know, a little Gatsby-esque. So I thought that the concept of cufflinks really made sense. And, you know, for women, you can't really find them. And for the executive that's going out there, why not be able to take it like a Pandora accessory and make it your own with a cufflink? So it's a, it's, it's a jewelry idea that I think the concept has been really strong. So we're in the beginning process of putting that up. And I noticed your products have your logo branded into the circle. Are you thinking about the cufflinks being that sort of still continuing with that same round medallion and having that the logo embossed into the cufflink? I am thinking about anything from Eiffel Towers to Skull and Crossbones to things that are really different and that have not been seen before in the market. They still will probably have the, the brand on it in some fashion but it won't be like the discs. This is just going to be completely different. So it's going to be more creative, an avenue for people to express themselves. And I think it's, it's kind of exciting to get that done. So we'll start with a couple and see how they do and go forward. But, you know, you mentioned something about the Persex. I have named each one of them after a loved one. So the Madison is my niece. The Lauren is my other niece. The Grace is my stepdaughter. The Olivia is my stepdaughter. And the Chloe is the seven-year-old daughter of my best friend from law school. So I think when you identify a name with a product, it really has a value and people feel that they can understand it and sympathize, not sympathize, but understand and want to work with that and, and feel like it's a little bit more meaningful than something that's just blank or blah. 
Well, it has that personal appeal to it, absolutely. And I went, that's so funny because I was going to ask you about the story behind Chloe, Madison, Lauren, Grace, Olivia, because they're all such beautiful classic names, and I didn't know if that was tied into the English heritage with your grandmother or because they're all such beautiful classic names. Thank you. Yeah, I beat me to it, or I beat you to it just by virtue of just wanting to bring it up. But, like, I do love the names. I think they're great. And we'll continue that on, though. I, I want to continue naming things after loved ones, although it's going to get comp- <laughs> it's gonna get competitive over people. <laughs> like, how come you haven't named anything after me? <laughs> like, it's starting. And we'll see how it goes. But I, I just think it gives it a little bit more of a personal appeal and, and to go from there. And they're all... Uh, Part of our social media campaign is placing pictures of the people with the hooks so they can identify and see the person behind the name. And I just think it makes it, like you said before, more personal. Well, if you run out of names, you can always use Brian. With an E. But you have to spell with an E. And then people, yeah, because, I don't know, you know, you, you could definitely name the cufflinks, and then the very first set of masculine cufflinks would be the Brian's. <laughs> There are other names too, but we don't want to get into those, especially when the FCC yeah, broadcast. Those aren't FCC regulated names, so we're not going to go into those. It's a family show. Supposedly. One of the things that we really like to ask our entrepreneurs when we're talking to them on the F5 show is what was one of the biggest challenges you faced that you weren't expecting? I was naive in thinking that once we went live in late October of last year, that the orders were going to come in fast and furious. It was like somebody's going to see it, and right away it's, it's done. And it requires a bit more than that, that I've learned. And I think it's really important to have good marketing, good PR. Again, we've amped up our social media because people aren't going to find out about it. And you also have to really get out there. Like, I'll be at a restaurant. I'll use a hook. Somebody likes it. I'll give one to them and say, here, say something about it on social media. It's in person, and it's marketing, and it just requires word of mouth, too. And before you know it, you start to get the momentum that you need. It just doesn't happen immediately. It's great that you have and we're very proud of our website, but it's, you can have that and have it out there. But unless people know about it, nothing's going to happen. Well, for the website, we usually say the Field of Dreams, the movie Field of Dreams. If you build it, yes. it will come. But, you know, you've got to have something a little bit more than that. Yes, exactly. And I think we've had such a great November and December. We're thrilled about the reaction we've had thus far. And we think we're just only just begun. Well, Tracy, are you there? I am here, and I am here and excited because of this time of year, especially to ask how can people get in touch with you, but even more importantly, or maybe not, how can people purchase these amazing Ivy Alexander purse holders during this holiday season? Well, you can definitely go to our website, which is ivy-alexander.com. You can follow us at Instagram, you know, which is Ivy Alexander New York, and also the same on, on Facebook because we are getting kind of funny and goofy with our posts, but we like them because, again, it brings us a certain personal tone to it, and we want to advertise the people who are using it. So we want to put a spotlight on those who are using the concept and like it 
and then that will enable us to put out more products. So go to the site, and I am happy to offer, for all of you listeners out there, a discount tomorrow for 10% off if you put the code Brian with an E. Oh, that's so good. Wow, that's fantastic. And just going to say that again, so if the discount code is Brian with an E, B-R-I-E-N. And for those of you who might be in traffic right now and driving as you're listening to that phone radio show, don't forget, you can go and listen to the podcast version of this. We'll put the code in the show notes and the website and link it for you so that you can just click on directly and purchase it straight from the show notes. And you can find the Ask Brian podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google, and we would love it if you love the radio show and the podcast as much as we do to leave us one of those fantastic five-star reviews, and we may even read it on the air. So you've been amazing. Thank you. Peter, do you have any other questions? Of course I do. <laughs> Thank you very much, Tracy. <laughs> Thank you. You're asking a lawyer if he has any questions. Okay. <laughs> I should just step out right now. <laughs> I object to that. Well, especially when I ask the question, you're going to object. So, oh boy, counter. Yes. You already talked about challenges, but I, what I want to know is try to go over something that was very difficult and one of your biggest difficulties in, in your success and then how you overcame that. I think fear. I think particularly when you're somewhat of a type A personality, you want to project success on what kind of projects you're doing. And, you know, you say, I'm going to go to law school, I'm going to be a lawyer, I will do fine, I will make a salary, and this, and this, and this. But when you're jumping off a cliff and starting a business that you are learning about as you start the business, there is a great amount of fear. And I think taking the risk requires some education, which I did. It requires the connectivity, which I did. And in spades, it came back to me. It was so great. So be kind to your business colleagues, even if they're in different industries, because you never know where that's going to come back to help you. And I took the risk because, you know, I didn't want to be part of a box of broken dreams. I, I, I took an educated risk. So it wasn't just like going to Vegas and betting on black. It was something that was much more planned and understood. And I believed in myself, which is, you know, right now, a lot of people have imposter syndrome. There's a lot of stuff going on in the world. And starting this has only empowered me rather than given me some fear, and I'm, I'm so thankful for that. You told me when you started the company, you went online in October, and you thought that, okay, sales are going to come in, and they didn't. What did you do, and what can people learn from that that was able to get you to the success level you're at now? Never about well, I think they came right away at first, but then they dwindled off. I think you have to be really mindful of in the retail space of holidays, and you have to get out weeks in advance. Right now, we're working on our plan for Valentine's Day, as I said before, Mother's Day. You have to have targeted social media and other advertising toward these, these holidays if you're in the retail space. By retail, are you including online exclusively or just brick and mortar? Both. I mean, online, of course, is, is taking off like crazy, and uh, it's helpful in that realm. But we're, we're selling to other boutiques, so I think it really matters for both. So what's the biggest thing that you think is going to happen for your company in the next year? We're going to be selling five or six more additional types of products, and we're going to be donating a lot to charity. Wow, that's great. Thank you very much. You've been a great guest, Nicole. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you. Merry Christmas to all, and you've been listening to KHS 1220, 98.1 FM. Roger and out!
Thank you for tuning in to the Ask Brian radio show. You can listen to us every Thursday on KTHS AM 1220 and FM 98.1 or via Facebook Live or anytime wherever you listen to your podcasts. Visit askbrian.com to join the conversation and ask us your business questions and we'll answer them on our next episode. That's askbrien.com.